So if we haven't met, I'm Pastor Jeff, and I'm really grateful to be with you this morning. Um, so if you're ever going to stop by uh, these campus and, and say hi, that'd be great. It wouldn't be hard to find my office. My office is the only one that has a watercolor portrait right by the door. I only have one painting that was ever painted for me, uh, one watercolor, and so I've had it by my door for quite some time. And uh, this, is, this is a copy of, of that painting. Whoopsie, I need some help. Okay, I can't even talk about sports. There aren't any now, the Super Bowl's done. Okay, so we're getting, okay, all right. So this, this is my portrait. So if you, if you find this picture, you know that I'm inside. Um, there we go. What do you think, huh? It's, it's an original. It's not a copy. And here is the original right here. And it was painted uh, by a girl that just graduated from UND Aviation Management. Obviously, she painted it a little earlier. Uh, she was in preschool. That's why I look younger in that picture <laughs> than I do now. It was a long time ago. So, what's up with this? Well, this is what's up with this. This morning, I have the honor and privilege of proclaiming who Jesus is. We are going to look at a picture of Jesus that is powerfully important for us as believers. And, and, and as I prayed about this, I thought, Lord, if I can even do as good a job as Elena did... In, in, in uh, painting a portrait of me, I would be honored because we really need to know who you are, who your son is, and what that means for us. This morning, we're going to take a look at a, a picture of Jesus that is more than just information. All of it is true, and, and it is fascinating, and it is interesting, and it is important but it's more than just religious facts. It's the center of who we are as God's people. You and I today, you and I today, our lives are affected by our thinking. What we think drives our choices and our behavior every day. But our thinking is driven by what we believe. And at the heart of our faith as as, as Christians, is what we believe about Jesus himself. I would say that this is true in my life, maybe in your life too. When I am feeling overwhelmed by life, it may be just because I'm underwhelmed by Jesus. That I have lost my awareness of how great he is or how good he is. And what that means for me personally. We're in a series on the book of Colossians. And we don't know exactly the, the struggles that the Colossians were facing. Paul, does, Paul isn't real specific about the struggles that they are facing. But he is beautifully specific about the answer to their struggles. The hope for them in the midst of their struggles. As we read this letter, we realize that there may be a, a bit of a, a struggle with some, some practices that, that, that kind of uh, uh, were related to Judaism. A lot of them had that background. 
Like a lot of people in their day and ours, they were fascinated by the spirit world, fascinated by, by angels, maybe fearful of demons. So we see some uh, very important revelation from God that puts the angels and the demons, in fact, all the issues of life, in their place where they belong. And that is under the supremacy of Jesus, his greatness and his goodness. If you would like to follow along in your scripture this morning, I'm going to be beginning with chapter uh, 1, verse 15. If you are here last Sunday, Pastor Vern talked about uh, all of our need for hope and that we can be grateful today that God has provided, provided for us an answer to our need for hope. And that answer is in a person, and that person is Jesus. And now we're going to pick it up today in verse 15 as God inspired the Apostle Paul to give us this sense of the wonder of Jesus, beginning with verse 15, reading in Jesus' name. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a servant. Why is it important for us to keep in mind all that Jesus is? especially all that he is for us. This week, um, I had a little stretch in the week. I think most of us have those stretches when I was not having a great A day. I was having a less than good day. I was kind of in a funk. And uh, my wife's really good at reading my gauges, and she could kind of tell. So she kind of let me have my space. And uh, the next day, as I headed to work... uh, Things turned around, and I came home, and she said, so how are you? I said, I'm better. She said, good. She said, what changed? I said, I was working on the message for Sunday, and I needed to be reminded again of all that Jesus is for us, Kathy. And uh, that might sound really simple, but if the way I'm functioning in life is really rooted in the way I'm thinking about life and about me and about God. 
And if my thinking is really rooted in what I believe with all my heart, what I know, what I believe, and what I trust, then what can be more important than understanding the greatness of Jesus and the goodness of Jesus and what that means for you and me in this broken world? A man named J.B. Phillips wrote a book with a really helpful title, Your God is Too Small. Now, I realize there's only one true God, so he's talking about your concept of God is too small. My concept of God is too small. And there are consequences when we have a diminished view of God. Phillips writes, Many people have a vague, childish affection for a half-remembered Jesus and have never used their adult critical facilities on the matter at all. They hardly seem to see the paramount importance of his claim to be God. Yet, if for one moment we imagine the claim to be true, the mind almost reels at its significance. That Jesus was not only like God, Jesus not only came from God, but that Jesus, the Christ, actually was and is God. So Paul has before him, by the way, he had never met these people. These people had came to know the gospel because one of the members of their small community in Colossae, one of the, one of the members had, had been to a city called Ephesus where Paul was preaching His name was Epaphras, and his life was changed because he heard the good news about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit opened his heart to believe it. So he believed that Jesus was the Son of God, that because he was the Son of God, his death had incredible power. And because he rose from the dead, we have hope. And that living in the world today, we live not just trying to find our way on our own, but we live under the watchful care of the one who created the universe and loved us so much that when we were given the capacity to go our own way, And we went away from him. He did something powerful so that we can know that we can come home. Paul wrote that Christ is the image of the invisible God. That when we meet Jesus in the Gospels, we're meeting God. His friend said, Jesus, would you just show us the Father? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, Jesus said, this is what God is like. So when Jesus speaks, he's speaking as God would speak. The book of Hebrews begins three verses in with this amazing uh, description of Jesus. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This is who you pray to. This is whose name you use when you talk to God. This is the one that took your place on the cross. The one 
who is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. This God that we serve is amazing. And to think he has revealed himself to us like one of us in the person of his son, Jesus. When you begin to think about the nature of God, Isaac and I were talking last week about the Trinity, about the fact that that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We weren't arguing, we were just talking. The other couple weeks ago, he, he, he opened, he blessed us in the name of the triune God. I said, why did you say the triune God and not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Well, he's right. He is the triune God. This is the mystery of God. The Father is God, but he is unique from the Son. The Son is God, but he is unique from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, but he is unique from the Father. One God, three persons. If that doesn't make your head hurt, you haven't thought about it long enough. How can he be one God in three persons? Can I give you the short answer? Because he's God. Because he's God. He can do that. He's God. And that's an important part of the way that God has revealed himself to us. The wonder of God. So when we think of the greatness of God, we we think of the Father creating this world for us. But he did not do that apart from the Son. Jesus was there. When we were created in the image of God, we're told that God said, let us make mankind in our image. Before the Holy Spirit breathed life into our first member of our human family, Adam. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. And, and, and Paul goes on to say that he is supreme over things that are visible as well as those things that are invisible. John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made that has been made. Kathy and I uh, made some reservations here a week before last for uh, August at a campground on the North Shore. Have you tried to get a camping reservation on the North Shore lately? I mean, wow, they fill up fast. We love to be on the North Shore, though. And so we found a place where we can gather with our kids on the North Shore because there's something about being in a place of beauty like that. Maybe it's not the North Shore of Lake Superior. Maybe you have another favorite place. But there is something spiritual, and I'm not trying to be weird here. There's something spiritual about being at a place where you can look up and and think that's what the psalmist said when he said, the heavens declare the glory of God. There is something about being out in creation that makes us feel humble as we think about the Creator. But Paul wants to say, when you think about the Creator, think of your Savior standing at the Father's right hand, creating all of this for His glory and for our enjoyment. Your God is not small. And Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He's supreme over all, all things created. Let me just throw this out. If you're sitting by a campfire at the lake or out in the Badlands or on the north shore of Lake Superior and you have one of those wow moments 
asks two questions. Who is responsible for all of this? And the second question, what are his thoughts towards me? What are his thoughts towards me? Not only is he supreme over things that we can see, but things that we cannot see. You know the history of humanity and our fascination with spirituality that we can't see. Many cultures have lived in in incredible bondage, wondering about how they stand with the spirit world, wondering if there are angels watching over them, wondering if there are evil spirits that need to be warded off. Apparently the people in Colossae were no different. But we're told here that Jesus, who was not only Lord over the things created, and he revealed that when he was with us, when, when, when in the midst of a storm, he got up and said to the storm, Quiet! And the storm was quiet. And his disciples said, Who is this? What kind of man is this that the winds and the waves obey him? He's sovereign over the creation, the things that we can see. But he's also sovereign over the things that we can't see. This is a common occurrence in Jesus' ministry. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses. Laying hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. The angels do his bidding. The demons tremble with fear at the very sight of Christ. If we have questions about the origins of creation or questions about the reality in the spirit realm, we have this confidence and we have this hope. God has revealed Jesus as the Christ, our Savior, and he is sovereign, he is supreme over all of that. Are you trusting him with your life? If you are, your life is in good hands. Not only is he great, but he's very, very good. Imagine yourself as a kid who's in the school play. You had practice after school, and now, now it's uh, getting a little later. Um, your dad is supposed to pick you up at 5 o'clock. It's now 5.15, soon 5.20. <laughs> What would your thoughts be towards your dad? <laughs> Some of you say, well, that happened to me this week, actually. Um, what would your thoughts be towards your dad? It might go one of two directions. It might go, yeah, I know. Something at work was more important. Or he stopped off at the bar. Or he forgot about me again. This always happens. And you're sitting with a sense of disappointment, frustration, maybe a little brooding anger. Or, maybe it would be this. Something must have happened. Maybe dad got stuck behind a train, waiting for a train. Or, maybe he stopped to help a lady change her, change her tire by the road. I don't know, something must have happened. But I know he's thinking of me. He'll be here eventually. It's just a matter of time. You see, our, our sense of peace or hope or a lack of it depends very much 
on our concept or our understanding of the one in whom we're trusting. Not only is our Savior great, our Savior is very, very good. Perhaps there are no better words to prepare for communion than these words that Paul wrote, beginning with uh, verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. God himself was doing this for us. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish. All the sin stains were taken away because his blood atoned for those. And without accusation, the devil can bring up all the stuff you wish you wouldn't have done. All the stuff you're ashamed of. He can bring it up. And, 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 and God has defeated him. Jesus died for that. You are no longer enslaved to that stuff. Because God, the creator of the universe, took it upon himself to enter into our world. That you and I might have hope. If you continue in your faith, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. We need to hear the gospel. We need to remind one another what God has done for us. We need to remind each other that we're not crazy <laughs> to entrust our lives to Christ. Because he is great. And he is good. And when we come to rest in that, we have everyday hope. We can say, like the Apostle Paul said, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future or any powers, neither heights nor depth nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So we gather again this morning to hear God's word. Some of us have learned the blessing of pausing daily to reflect on God's word. Why? Because we have to? Kind of. <laughs> we need it. <laughs> we don't do so well when we take our eyes off Jesus. We're kind of like Peter when he was walking on the water and it was going great. And then he looked at the waves and took his eyes off Jesus and he started to sink. You ever had that sinking feeling? His hope was he lifted his eyes and looked at Jesus again. That's our hope too. Luther said, well, this is, we close. <laughs> We need to hear the gospel every day because we forget it every day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the reality, the truth behind your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who when we turn in humility seeking you, you come in your grace and reveal to us all that you are for us, all that you've done for us. We thank you for Jesus. We pray that you would continue to increase our faith. We pray that you would show us all that he is for us. May the wonder of Jesus define us, encourage us, and give us hope. We pray these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let us listen to the story of our Lord's suffering and death for us as given in the Holy Scriptures. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. The rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above his head which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since we're under the same sentence, we are punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land, and about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lemasabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Let us hear the gracious invitation of our Lord given to us in the Holy Scriptures. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I'll ask the congregation if you would stand at this time, please. Father, we come to you in humility, confessing our sin and our need of your forgiveness. We come to you very aware of the things that have gone on in our thoughts, the words that we have spoken, and even the things that we have done or left undone. So we come to you this morning to your infinite mercy and ask you for Christ's sake to forgive us all our sins. By your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would increase in us a true knowledge of our Savior and your will, that by your grace we may walk in your ways. Hear us now as we confess the Christian faith as expressed in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.